0: Live and local, this is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown! Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown! This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey baby, we are gonna be here! call us up at 337-706-0111 I like this kind of party. Now here's your host, Jordy Holberg.
1: Da, 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 da. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you and yours. May the 5th the year 2022. Great to be with you. We were off yesterday because of astros baseball but we are back in better than ever this thursday cinco de mayo my main man james mesh back in the master control suite producing which is on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 fm in lafayette we're also on 1041 in lake charles busy busy day for you and yours lsu basketball gets another lsu football out there recruiting like crazy We've got the early odds for LSU football versus Florida State. The Kentucky Derby is being run this Saturday. The NBA playoffs are in earnest. LSU baseball trying to formulate their way, grinding its gears, looking for a way to formulate a plan to become an NCAA regional host. These stories and so, so much more are all coming your way. We're brought to you by Cajun chef deep in the in the Cajun lands of St. Martinville. The Beard family for for years and years and years have been using the finest products to put out the best hot sauce and other items that you could ever ever fathom. Ever fathom. And once you taste it, you'll find that it's decidedly different and delectably delicious uh, Cajun chef hot sauce. All right. um, We'll talk NBA action today with uh, Henry Hayes, Uh, Miami Heat on a roll. The um, Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul get it done in the fourth quarter again to take a 2-0 lead over the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, We got a good series between Memphis – And the Golden State Warriors. And if you had a chance to do it all over again, and I'm not saying that the Pelicans did the wrong thing, but if you had a chance to do it all over again with the number one pick in that draft, would you take Zion Williamson? Or would you take Ja Morant? It's a question we'll ask Henry Hayes here in in just uh, a minute or two. So uh, we shall see the early odds for the first game of Brian Kelly's era at LSU will be uh, in the national spotlight. LSU will face Florida State at 6 p.m. September the 4th at Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. It's the only game on that Sunday night. So the college football world will have its attention on the Tigers and the Seminoles. And so will the sports betting world. The NFL preseason will be over, and the regular season doesn't begin until September the 8th. So Labor Day weekend belongs to college football, and that Sunday belongs to the Tigers and the Seminoles. Speaking of which, who do the odds makers like? Well, they've already released odds for this matchup and have LSU favored by three and a half points. There's no over, under, or money line yet set, uh, but LSU favored by three and a half points in the Caesars Superdome, which is where Taran Matthew, the Honey Badger, will play this coming NFL season. Signed, sealed, and delivered. He is a part of the New Orleans Saints. And the Badger said this has always been a dream of his.
2: It's most definitely a dream. You know, having an opportunity to, to represent, you know, uh, this team, uh, to be a part of this locker room. I've always been a fan of the the way Saints play football. And uh, just to have that opportunity means a lot to me. And, you know, more than anything, I just want to, you know, take advantage of it and make the most of it.
1: So we knew he was in Baton Rouge to visit Brian Kelly, spoke to the LSU football team, and then kind of meandered um, eastward to New Orleans and met in the Saints facility. So from Duran Matthews' mouth to your ears,
2: how did this all develop? Coming into free agency, I, 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 I've i been fairly quiet, really been just kind of letting things play out, and, you know, the Saints was really the only visit that I went on, and uh, I, I think from the get-go, uh, I knew where I wanted to be, and from there, it's just all about everything kind of coming together and aligning, and so, like I said, I'm sure there's a lot of people that was praying for me, rooting for me, and um, it, it just feels good to see it all kind of come together, but... I've, I've kind of been manifesting this for, for a while now. You know, a lot of former teammates know this, but just to have this opportunity means a lot to me. I was one of those
1: people praying that this happened. I think he's the perfect fit. You get Marshawn Lattimore, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and Terran Matthew. <laughs> Man, you talk about some swag in that secondary. All right, Terran Matthew, you... Um... You know all about it, so what? What do you want to do for Nola, the fans of the Black and Gold Nation?
2: What do you want to do? Obviously, man, that, that's a tall task, and you know, being a former champion, I understand how hard it is to win and, and to get to that point. So, um, you know, if, if we were able to get to that point, that'll mean a lot to me. I'm sure it'll mean a lot to the community, and but I definitely want to bring a championship and to, to back to New Orleans.
1: Oh that's what i'm talking about yes indeed um lsu men's basketball coach matt mcmahon has um apparently added another transfer to his roster from murray state kj williams the defending ohio valley conference player of the year williams told on 3com that he is rejoining his former coach and i say reportedly because until uh, ink goes to paper. It's reportedly so, but it's a done deal. Um, he's rejoining his former coach. He averaged 18 points, eight and a half rebounds for the racers this past season, 6'10", 245 pounds. Quote in his interview with On3, I chose LSU because I have a great relationship with the coaches and it's a bigger stage where I know I could play. Me being in the position I'm in, I know I can play in the SEC against top players in the country. He's from Cleveland, Mississippi. He's entering its final year of eligibility. He was an all-Ohio Valley Conference first teamer in both the 2019-2020 seasons and the 2020-21 seasons. So another big for um, Coach Matt McMahon. He had 41% of his attempts from behind the three-point line. So a big who can bring it outside. Williams is now the third former Murray State racer to follow McMahon to LSU. Once he signs, McMahon will have 11 scholarship players on his roster. Meanwhile, Adam Miller, who transferred to LSU from Illinois, but he never got on the court because of an ACL injury, he will announce his future plans, not this Friday, but the next Friday, May 13th. Apparently, it's come down to... LSU, and TCU. So we shall see. They get Adam Miller. That is quite the coup for LSU. And speaking of recruiting in football, LSU uh, extended an offer. Um, Remember, they've got two spots remaining in its 2022 class. A lot of people think it's going to be a tight end, maybe a defensive back, maybe an offensive lineman. But apparently, LSU's going out for quote, best player available option, regardless of position. LSU has extended an offer to Florida A&M outside linebacker Isaiah Land, the FCS National Defensive Player of the Year. He had 25 and a half tackles for loss, 19 sacks. He's 6'4", 215. He has one year of eligibility remaining. Apparently, it's come down to LSU, Texas, Auburn, and Georgia. So stay tuned for that. Um, We shall see. Um, LSU's TAF Coaches Caravan made its way through Lafayette last night. They'll be in Covington and Metairie in the next two weeks. The speakers were Sean Hudson of soccer, Brian Kelly of football, Matt McMahon for basketball, athletic director Scott Woodward, who came out and said that – Upgrading the basketball facilities, uh, facilities is a top priority. The line of the night, Brian Kelly said that Garth Brooks won't generate the loudest noise in Tiger Stadium this year. That the football team will. So that's pretty good news, right? Those are some of your headlines of the day. We're brought to you each and every uh, every day by one of our great sponsors. And today it is Cajun Chef. Asian Chef. We're going to talk NBA action with Henry Hayes, but first, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win? Total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. And right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code 1037GAME only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older physically present in la availability varies by parish eligibility restrictions apply minimum five dollar minimum deposit see draftkings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions licensee partner gold and nugget lake charles gambling problem call 1-877-770-STOP that's 1-877-770-7867 We'll be right back. NBA Talk. Henry Hayes here on the Jordy Helford Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Happy, happy Cinco de Mayo, or as some of our, my friends call it, Cinco de Drinko. I don't know what they're talking about, but we'll be right back.
0: They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hey, we welcome you back um, Henry Hayes we efforted to get but something else popped up and he can't do it so we will press onward as we as we always do and I look at the uh the NBA and we've got two uh game threes on today um with um with I'm sorry with Miami and Philadelphia uh, Miami with a two-game to zip lead over the – oh, that's not today. I'm sorry. I'm doing Cinco. Uh, okay. Anyway, there's no games today. No games on the NBA front today. It will resume on Friday. My apologies. With Miami and Philadelphia um, shifting to uh, Philly, and then Phoenix and Dallas um, with the series shifting to Dallas. Both Miami and Phoenix with two games to zip leads. in in the news in the NBA, Ben Simmons, the former tiger now with the Brooklyn Nets um, will have back surgery. He is uh, in LA to have that. It will require three to four months of rehabilitation. but according to reports from the Nets he's expected to be fully recovered to return to the court well ahead of preseason training camp in September. I don't know what he did. Um to get a to hurt his back, because I never heard anything about a back problem when he was in Philadelphia. Um, he had a micro dissectomy procedure today to address pain located in a herniated disc in his lower back. So um whether you like Ben Simmers or not, um, whatever your thoughts of are are of him. Um, I, I I hope he recovers and I hope he is, uh, he's okay. I hope he's okay. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies will be without Dylan Brooks. He is suspended for game three of their series with the golden state warriors after a flagrant foul on Gary Payton, the second that was blatant. It was obvious. And that was retaliation and it was, uh, dumb on Dylan Brooks's part, but he was out early. Early, early. Uh, You got to love Draymond Green of the Warriors in a very chippy series. The NBA fined Green $25,000 for flipping off the Memphis Grizzly fans in in game number two. Um, The Warriors lost that game to 106 to 101. Green held up uh, his two middle fingers as he walked back to the locker room to get stitches for a right eye laceration in response to fans booing him. So um, there you go. You know, you look, and it's never a perfect science when it comes to drafts. Just, you know, ask football, ask any professional sport um, how this all works. And it's it's an inexact science. Um, you just can't tell. Like in 2017, Markel Fultz, was the first player drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers from the University of Washington. A couple of picks later, the Boston Celtics at number three picked Jason Tatum of Duke. Obviously, Jason Tatum should have been the first pick overall. Go down to number 13 overall. And the Denver Nuggets selected Donovan Mitchell out of Louisville and traded him to... Utah, one pick later, Bam Adebayo from Kentucky to the Miami Heat, the 14th pick overall. I would think that those guys would be, if you had to redo the draft over again, they would be at the very, very top of the draft. In 2016, Ben Simmons was the number one overall pick. Um, Coming in at number two, from Duke to the Lakers, now to the Pelicans, was Brandon Ingram. At number three, Jalen Brown with the Boston Celtics. It's an inexact science. You just, you just don't know what you're going to get later on down the line. So we'll find out. DeJounte Murray with the San Antonio Spurs was the 29th pick in the first round. He's become, he's become a star. He has become a star. So you just don't know. Um, and the Pelicans will be in a great position to add a player of significant value wherever they pick. It'll be, I think, at worst, number 10. But then how the ping pong, ping pong balls go, you just you just never know. You never know. Um, and when you miss, boy, sometimes you miss really, really badly. Um, let's take the 2013 draft. Anthony Bennett was the first pick from Nevada, Las Vegas, going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you go a little bit further, all the way down to number 15, number 15, the Milwaukee Bucks selected Giannis Antetokounmpo at number 15. Many consider him the best player in basketball. So you can get value Of course, he was kind of hidden over there in Greece. Nobody really, really knew, um, but who knows? In 2012, the Hornets of New Orleans had the first pick in the draft, and they took Anthony Davis. Later on in that draft, and this is interesting because people have varying degrees of, of thoughts on this. The sixth overall pick, Damian Lillard from Weber State to the Portland Trailblazers. I would th- I would say from the body of work, if you could do it all over again, Damian Lillard would be the first pick in the draft. Then maybe Anthony Davis. Damian Lillard's had a great career. No, he hasn't won a title, but he took Portland to the to the conference championships. Um, you know, you just you just don't know. So it's an inexact science, um, and you do the best you can. But man, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Tacumpo, 15th overall pick. How about that one? So I guess the question is again, if you could do it all over again. And look, I look, I know that if if the Pelicans hadn't drafted Zion Williamson in 2019 with the number one overall pick, that would have been rioting in the streets. It was an incredible, incredible celebration. was amazing john morant went number two coached by matt mcmahon at murray state who's now the lsu men's basketball coach john morant's become an absolute superstar in the league when he had 47 the other day and head up best player on the court between memphis and golden state he's the best now, I'm not slighting Steph Curry in any way, shape, or form at all. But John Morant, um, I don't know if his he, – he is so, so Allen Iverson-esque uh, of any player I've ever seen. Small, frail, but just fearless and can get buckets. He, he's a remarkable 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 player um a lot of people will nationally will tell you best ability is availability John Morant's been available and he's taken the Memphis Grizzlies from the outhouse to almost to the penthouse Zion Williamson has missed more games than he's played which body will hold up long term the the heavy heavy body of Zion Williamson or the frail, thin, almost pencil-like frame of John ja Morant? John ja Morant drives to the bucket all the time, gets knocked down all the time. Zion, with all that weight, the constant pounding on the, on the ankles, the feet, the knees, who's going to end up having the better career long-term? And how long will that career be? Your guess is absolutely as good as mine, because I I don't know. In that same draft of Zion Williamson and John Morant, the eighth overall pick from Texas to the Atlanta Hawks, now with the Pelicans, was Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes. So, again, you you just just really don't know what's going to happen, but um, it sure is fun talking about it. Because uh it's always subject to opinion, subject to debate. Uh, but man, 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 uh I don't know. Again, and there are look, the 28th pick overall in the 2019 NBA draft, the same draft of Zion and John ja Morant. Uh, would you take Jordan Poole now? He wasn't good early, but how about Jordan Poole now with the Golden State Warriors? at number 20 28 overall, number 28, man, that's crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff, anyway, um, I think I'd take John Morant. I really would, no offense Zion, but I got to have a guy that can play, he can play a lot, that's why I don't like Kyrie Irving, doesn't play, Give me those guys that play and play a lot. All right, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ballgame with our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Book Your A.C., Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. After this timeout, we will talk uh, NFL football with the Schwab, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. That's next here on the geordie Helford Show on the game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one Lake Charles with Southwest Louisiana
0: Sports Station. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Right, we continue on this Cinco de Mayo, May the 5th, the year 2022. Uh, the NFL draft is officially in the books. Three days, 262 selections. There's so much to talk about and no one better to talk to about that then frank schwab the um tremendous writer and uh prognosticator for yahoo sports among the many things that he does um and he's joining us now frank uh thank you for the time my man how are you good good what's going on i wish i could offer you a uh margarita or something and some chips and salsa but alas i, I can't do so but uh right after this show man I- i'm hitting to it man Ooh, sounds
3: good sounds good like Hey, you know it's that time of year. Draft is done. Now we just yep. now we just did you off know, biding our time until until this all kicks off.
1: Biding our time. Um, <laughs> Saints Vikings in London, and we got a game in Germany. You like those? <laughs> do, you, do you? Does that do anything for you? These games abroad?
3: Nothing. I,
1: I don't like them. I don't like. I don't. Maybe. I just don't like
3: it. I, I think it's. I, I the, the main thing I have a problem with, and this is just being a nerd. And I guess it changes with the 17 game schedule, but especially back in the 16 game schedule, you're taking a, road, a home game away from one team and you're basically giving another to, to making sure another team doesn't have to play eight road games. And it's unfair if you are the Denver Broncos, let's say, and one of your home games is in London and you're competing with the Kansas City Chiefs for a division title and they're playing eight home games, you're playing seven. How's that fair? So I've always had a problem with it that way. Look, I get it, expanding the game and all that kind of stuff, and I, I know that there's value to it and whatnot, and I'll probably make it too big a deal about teams giving up home games, but I, I'm a big believer in the, the schedule should be fair, and it should be fair for everybody, especially when you're only playing 16 of these there are 17 now, and any inequity is is, is basically a pretty big
1: deal. They're, uh 9:30 in the East, 8:30 for so, so football fans. Um like the Saints will face the Minnesota Vikings October 2nd. It'll be 8:30 a.m. Um Ooh. and we got a game in Germany. Tampa Bay and Seattle yeah. in in Munich um on yeah, that, November the 13th. That game, uh,
3: Jordy, that game might be like 42 to 3, right? We're not sending Germany our best game, let's put it that way. <laughs> That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs> Golly sakes alive! All right, uh, let's get to the draft. Um, who did you think had the who, who had who had really good drafts in your opinion? I think the
3: Ravens, the Raven, and, and you know that that's a yearly thing.
1: The Ravens just are so
3: good at this; they really are. Like it didn't matter when Ozzie Newsome stepped down, DaCosta stepped in, did, did a great job. It just seemed like every one of their picks was like, "How did that guy end up?" Sliding into the Ravens, every pick it was just uncanny, and they do that a lot. I thought they really improved their team, uh, really set themselves up well for the future. Uh, I love the Kyle Hamilton pick. I think he's. I thought he should have been a top ten pick, and I'll continue to maintain that. I I don't know why we we sit here and act like safeties are devalued because in the modern NFL, safety should be increasing in value. Like guys who can cover and play in the box and do everything you need. I think those guys are huge. And Kyle Hamilton is going to be a really, really good player for the Ravens. I thought the Jets had a great draft, and that's crazy to say, and they'll screw it up somehow. But a reasonable argument can be made that they got the best quarterback, receiver, and running back in the draft. And they also got a great pass rusher out of Florida State, who slipped yeah. in the first round. So I thought yeah. they had a really good draft. And not in a traditional way, but I thought the Eagles had a great draft because they said, you know, uh, yeah, oh you're, you're trying to get rid of A.J. Brown for basically like uh, pennies on the dollar? Sure, we'll do that. And I'm uh, exaggerating a little bit. It's not like they gave up nothing, but right. when you look at what you're getting with A.J. Brown, you know, the Titans draft Traylon Burks. Well, they're praying that Traylon Burks is as good as A.J. Brown, whereas the Eagles are getting a guy who's 24 years old and already one of the 10-12 best receivers in the game. So I really thought the Eagles had a great day, too.
1: You mentioned safeties. What did you think of uh, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger? Um, oh, yeah. Full circle, coming back to the Saints.
3: Great. A uh, great story and a great player. I mean, yeah. I remember, as you do, I mean, as everybody there knows you know, obviously remembers better than even me. But I, I was covering college, and, you know, when Tyran Matthew was basically everything was going wrong for him at LSU, and he, it just was like, wow, it, for as great as this guy is, He's kind of, he might be, you know, just.
1: Damage good. Dwindling
3: away away his career because he keeps making these mistakes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Not even big things. Uh, It wasn't like, you know, getting arrested for domestic violence or anything like that. It was just kind of dumb young mistakes. And I'm so happy that Tyron Matthew ends up being a great player, maybe a Hall of Famer. Uh, He could be in that conversation. And now it comes full circle. I think he adds a lot of. A lot of leadership to that locker room and just on the field. I think he still played a really, really high level. I think it's a great fit for the Saints, who, man, you look at that defense and if we're talking about who's the best defense in the NFL. The Saints, it might be the Saints. Like they have the pieces where they should at least be a top five defense this year. And you think about, you know, how do you win games when, you know, your it might not be great this year, but it might be the defense is really, really, really good and then the offense does enough.
1: Who's a player out there that you think has absolutely no question no doubt is superstar um superstar in in is moxy down the road uh, as a draft pick now is there one that really stands out to you
3: No none and and that's what I was you know with this draft that uh, yeah, there's some Blowback, I guess, from me saying it, but I basically came out and said, "This is a bad draft." It's not that there's not going to be good players to come out of here, and I think if anybody's going to end up being a Hall of Famer out of this draft, it might be one of the two tackles of all people. The you know the Evan Neal who went to the Giants, Iki Iguanu, another really good tackle. These guys are really good prospects, but if we're talking about two offensive tackles as the stars of this draft, that kind of tells you something. I just I I think it's a draft that's going to have a lot of Solid contributors, uh, probably, you know, obviously, a few Pro Bowlers, even all pros. But I don't know that there's anybody who I'm like, yes, that guy's going to be an absolute star. I just think it was one of those years where it just wasn't a great draft. And that's okay. Like, it, it ebbs and flows. And this is more like that 2013 draft where Eric Fisher went number one and only one quarterback went in the first round. Uh, it just, I don't see a lot of pop in this draft where I'm like, I'm really, really excited for player X, Y, or Z.
1: Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Do you see a rookie quarterback starting by, let's say, mid this year?
3: Uh, maybe. I mean, I think the obvious answer is Pickett, but because he's a first rounder, he's the only first rounder, and okay. generally those guys do play. Although he's he was expected to be kind of a sit and learn guy. I think the one guy who does stand out to me is uh, sorry about that. <laughs> the one guy who does stand out to me is Matt Corral of all people, because okay. he lands with the Panthers. The right. Panthers. I mean, Sam Darnold is not the answer. Everybody knows that. Even the Panthers know that. So, if the Panthers start one and five, why wouldn't they change? What, what are you? What are you waiting for? Like, wait, let's see what the kids got. Almost. Yeah. So I can see Matt Corral starting, uh, almost, in a, not in a great situation. And obviously, I think Pickett is the other guy, just because of draft capital.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, Matt Corral. You make an interesting point. Number ninety-four overall pick. Uh, Matt rule is one of those coaches. If he doesn't win, he's going to lose his job. Yeah. So if he yep. starts off one in three, not one in five, one in right. three, you're right. You're he right. We ready to pull the plug and say, why not? I'm going to lose my job. If I don't, I got to do something.
3: Yeah, I mean, what do you got to lose at that point? And yeah, and that's a team that could start one and three easily, zero oh, and three, right, whatever. Like it's, it's. I don't think that's a great Panthers team. So yeah, if, if you're off and you have that impatient owner, so yeah, again, if you're off zero and three, one and three, and four, whatever it is, you're looking and saying, what am I going to do? I'm just going to keep starting Sam Darnold and get fired. Like I might as well try something. And man, Matt Quail is one of those guys who, well, I didn't love him, and I obviously the NFL didn't either, but. I mean, there were some things you saw from him in college where you're like, this guy could, you know, he's got some juice. He could be a good player. And I think that the Panthers would be kind of dumb not to try him. Like, why not? Get a a good look at the kid. And then, you know, going into next year's draft, which does have a lot of good quarterbacks, you know, hey, we need to draft a quarterback, or hey, maybe we're going to give Matt Corral another
1: year. You're right. Um, Were you surprised with the Green Bay Packers and their draft? A little bit. I mean, you know, they
3: get Christian Watson in the second round, a very, okay. you know, big size, speed guy out of North Dakota State. It was a great program, by the way. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I wrote after the first night that what are the Packers doing not drafting a receiver? But while saying, like, hey, there's a lot of second round guys, maybe they find a star there. But I, I keep coming back to this. Like, why aren't they the Rams? Why aren't they like, oh, AJ Brown is on the block. What do you need? Here's two first round picks. Like I just don't. What are they doing? Like, I, and I get cap, and I, I don't know though. I, if I'm the Packers, I'm much more aggressive than they've been. And maybe it works out whether, you know Watson coming in from an F, uh, you know an FCS school, just lights it up right away. But that's a hard transition. It's hard to depend on a second round, you know, receiver being that guy. So. I don't know. I, I wish the Packers if it would have been a little more aggressive moving up, just because I. It, it's going to be weird to, if you know this whole dance happens and Aaron Rodgers doesn't get back to a Super Bowl, basically because the Packers didn't do enough around him.
1: Yeah. Uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, Seattle didn't draft a quarterback. Uh, what, what's their next step? I
3: beats me. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I guess the theory, and I don't disagree with this necessarily, is whatever. If you stink this year with Drew Locke, you're going to draft top five anyway, so what's the difference? You're getting a better quarterback prospect next year than reaching on Malik Willis or somebody, but of all the teams that would not even have a viable quarterback on their roster right now to draft a running back in the second round, it's the Seattle Seahawks. Like They're just... Look, they just do things differently. They just... They, they don't care about conventional wisdom. They, uh, they're stuck in their ways in many ways, but it's mostly worked. And we're going to see how much of it was working because Russell Wilson was there. And I think a lot of it. But yeah, for them to draft Kenneth Walker in the second round before they'd even settle quarterback was just like, yep, that, that's the Seahawks. That's the way they play this game. And they're never going to change. So they're, they're, they're still stuck in that, you know, 1974 mindset of you got to play defense and run the ball when the rest of the NFL has <laughs> moved on long ago from that.
1: Uh, When you look at the draft, let's take the NFC East. Um, Based upon what you've seen from free agency and what you saw in the draft, are the Eagles the pick uh, to win that division? I still think of
3: the Cowboys. I I don't want to go crazy on it. The Cowboys were really, really good last year. We forget that. They lost the playoffs. That's what happens. You you go one and done in the playoffs, and nobody's going to remember how good you were. But the the Cowboys were really really good last year, and I don't think they're going to be worse. I mean, yeah, they they lost some guys depth wise because of cap stuff. And I don't think they had a great draft or anything like that. And Eagles got better. There's no doubt about that. I the Eagles can compete. I, I think they're. I think the Eagles are going to make the playoffs. I think that you know I, I would, you know people ask me about betting stuff after the draft, and the one bet that I made was Eagles make the playoffs at even money because. Who in the NFC is getting those wild card spots and it's not the Eagles. Like, I mean, they already were in the wild card last year, and they're certainly better, I think. So I still think Dallas is the team there, but yes, the Eagles are the Eagles have really closed the gap, and then Washington Giants are just a couple of years off at least.
1: I got gotcha. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. NFC South. You mentioned the Saints and their defense. Have they narrowed the gap in your mind between themselves and the Tampa Bay Bucks? Or have they and or have they widened the gap between themselves and the Falcons and the Panthers? How do you see the NFC South?
3: Yeah, and I think the latter is more accurate in my mind of they're clearly a step ahead of the Panthers and the Falcons. I, I don't, I mean, have they closed the gap with the Bucs? Maybe a little bit, but the gap is still pretty wide. I mean, the Bucks might be the best team of football. I, I mean, with, with everything they got coming back. I, and so... I don't know that the Saints, uh, a lot would have to go right for the Saints to win that division. Not that it can't happen, we've seen stuff like that happen before, but I I couldn't, in my right mind, pick the Saints to win that division. The the Bucs are loaded again, Brady's back, there's no reason to believe he won't be the same guy he's always been, so, uh, yeah, the Bucs are still the class of that division for sure, but yeah, I I do think there's a a second tier now, and it's the Saints by themselves.
1: Is there a team you think that has done something that makes you say, okay, whoa, I'm going to have to readjust? Um, my thought process on this team. I know it's hard with rookies, but when you add free agents, is there a team that stands out to you now?
3: I think it's the Jets. I and Not that the Jets are going to go gangbusters and be an 11-win team, but mm-hmm. maybe. I, I mean, they had a, I thought they had a really good draft last year. Didn't always show up because there be rookies, a lot of rookies playing, a first-year head coach, too. And then I thought they had a really good draft this year. And if you have two good drafts in a row... If that quarterback could come along, all of a sudden it's like, well, you could take a pretty big leap in a hurry. We've seen that happen before. Heck, we saw the the one great draft the Saints had a few years ago, the Ramchick-Kamara draft. So <clears throat> I think that I think the Jets are the one team where I don't know that they're going to be great this year. I don't even know if they're going to be a playoff team because it's really, it's really, really good. But I think by the end of the year we could be saying, wow, the Jets are really on the come. They're, they're going to be pretty good in the next few years.
2: Mm,
1: okay, that, that'd be boy, long, long, long overdue. You said it wasn't it's a very overdue. good draft. It, it it wasn't a good draft. Is is it wasn't a good draft because you didn't have elite quarterbacks? Is that what makes a really good draft, or is there I- more to it? I think
3: there. I mean, there were some spot. Look, the receivers that went were really, really good, and a lot of them. But yep. I mean, was there Jamar Chase in the draft? No. Uh, mm-hmm. It's quarterbacks, obviously. The quarterback. Look, well, quarterbacks rule the roost, and, and there weren't many good quarterbacks in the draft. I don't even like Kenny Pickett. He's the only one to go in the first yep. two rounds. So yep. no quarterbacks. No Saquon Barkley type of running back. They were good offensive linemen, and we saw them go early. There were a lot of good, maybe not great edge rushers. I, I don't. I mean, Trevon Walker went number one, and it's like, uh, I, I guess. I, he was maybe the fourth or fifth best defender on his own team in college, but he, yeah. the combine was awesome for him. So there were. I mean, again, I just. You look at, uh, you compare this draft to previous drafts and you say, okay, would, would, uh, a Derek Stingley Jr. be the first cornerback drafted in most drafts? Probably not, but he was third overall in this one. Mm. Would Travon Walker be the first defensive lineman mm. picked in many drafts? No, no, I, I don't think he wouldn't be, a, he's not a Miles Garrett type of prospect. Right. So I just right. think it was a, it was a deep draft. I mean, there was guys in the third, fourth round you're like, okay, that, that guy could probably play and contribute. But as far as the first round goes, it just wasn't the elite elite prospects where you're just like, yeah, that <laughs> the the whoever the Jacksonville Jaguars has landed an absolute positive future All Pro. I don't think any of us thinks that about Trevon Walker. Not that he can't be, but I don't think right now if I gave you over under point zero for you know zero point five All Pro teams for Trevon Walker in his career, he'd probably pick the under because mm-hmm. it just there's nothing guaranteed with this class.
1: Finally, uh, back to the Saints again. You know, They get Matthew and Free agency. Their fir- two first-round picks say they, they met needs. Chris Olave, the wide receiver, Penning, the, the offensive lineman. Um, what do you think? Yeah, and
3: I, I like the players they got. I like Olave. I'm a big-time guy. I saw a lot of him. He's a good, very, very good player. Penning, I mean, he, he kind of fell to them in a spot where they needed him. Like, yeah. I think they got good value. But just how they got there, I mean, somebody tweeted, I don't know how accurate it was or anything, but all the picks, basically, the Saints gave up to get Alave, and it's like, wow, that this kid's going to have to be like, you know, next the reincarnation of Michael Thomas to, to yeah, pay off for right. that. So, I don't necessarily like how the Saints got to those picks necessarily, but they did get a couple of good players at, at big time needs. They needed yep. a receiver badly, and badly. I think that they did. They did fine for the guys they picked. That's not my issue. It, the issue is the cost of those picks, and it was a lot. It was they're not going to have a first rounder next year, and I, I mean it just it just was too much for me to for what they came out of this with. But hey, you know what? It's nothing against the players themselves because again, I think right. Alave and Penning are going to be pretty good pros for a really long time.
1: Uh, I. I... I fibbed. I got one more question for you. Uh, You like to watch the ponies?
3: I, do, I like to watch it, but I know nothing about it. I, I have a couple okay. of friends who are really good at it, so okay. they'll tell me, like, hey, I'm betting on this horse. And my buddy, hey, Medina Spirit, last year, he nailed it. We, we won yep. some money, but there's nothing more thrilling than a horse race, I'll tell you that. I but it. I just okay. know nothing about I was it. Ask, I, I, was I couldn't even tell ask you one for horse pick, in this derby this year.
1: I was going to ask for your pick, but I won't do that now. But Frank Schwab, you did everything else I could possibly ask for and more. Thank you, man. Have a great weekend. Really appreciate yes. it. Appreciate it, Jardy all right that's frank schwab from yahoo sports you know that after a two-year hiatus the bro bridge crawfish festival is returning this weekend to the festival grounds in bro bridge general admission tickets range from five to ten dollars you can buy a three-day pass for 15. the musical lineup includes wayne toops chubby Carey on the bayou swamp band gerald grunig and Gentilly zydeco sweet sicilian many more great food great music great times at the bro bridge crawfish festival back to wrap up our number one next
0: Jordy Holtberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor?
2: Please wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair
3: a long time, and you can hiss my hair.
0: John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holtberg and the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Mother's Day is this Sunday. Talk about a great gift. Hey, guys, listen, listen. Eon of Lafayette, uh, smarter body contouring, the first robotic tuxless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. Get a gift certificate to Eon of Lafayette. She will absolutely love you for it. She will be excited about it. It won't be one of those gifts that will just come and go. This is permanent Fat loss, everybody wins. Eon, smarter body contouring. Go get a gift certificate. Make mom very, very happy. Coming up, hour number two, we'll talk about the Kentucky Derby with our handicapper, Michael Bakeshock. We'll talk SEC baseball with Blake Lavelle from At 14 Southeastern. And Michael Hugening joins us for yet another edition of Hump Day Plus One with Huguenots, it's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helpert show here on the game. One oh three, seven Lafayette, one oh four, one Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana sports station brought to you by Cajun chef, the best hot sauce on the planet, deliciously different, decidedly better. We'll be back Hour number two straight ahead.
0: live and local this is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles southwest Louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a Saints touchdown streaming live on 1037 the game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com this is the Jordy Holtberg show hey baby we're gonna be Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now,
1: here's your host, Jordy Holberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. Brought to you by Cajun Chef. Decidedly different, delectably delicious. The best hot sauce on the planet for nearly 90 years. The Beard family in St. Martinville using the finest peppers the finest spices getting you the finest hot sauce it's good for everything do like i do bring it with you wherever you go because everything tastes better with a little cajun chef hot sauce on it lsu baseball heading to alabama uh today as they get ready for a friday saturday sunday showdown with the crimson tide in tuscaloosa um, and on Saturday, we've got the uh, the running of the, the Roses and the Kentucky Derby. This is going to be the 148th edition of the Kentucky Derby. And we've got uh, tw- absolutely like 22 horses in the field. Only 20 can run. So that means um, Rick Strike and Rattle and Roll, who are eligible entrants, They'll only start it. There are some sufficient scratches from the main body of the field. Um, how ultra competitive is this race going to be? Well, um, we shall see because Michael Bakeshock, the handicapper of the stars, and uh, has done this for a long, long time. I know that Zandon is the early three to one favorite. Epicenter, who won the Louisiana Derby, is its second at seven and two. And Messier comes in at eight to one. I guarantee you won't pick any of those because he always gets more bang for his buck. Michael, thank you so much for the time, man. It's Derby week, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. Buddy, how are you?
4: I'm great, and I, I don't know if your prediction may not hold true this year, Shorty, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back on with you. Uh, it's good to see a Kentucky Derby again, and uh, we'll get to it in just a second. Uh,
1: an overflow field of 22 three-year-olds. Um no, n- not not one of them will be uh, trained by your good buddy Bob Baffert. So how about that?
4: That's the big thing. The first time in, I guess, you know, twenty five years, probably. So wow. yeah, t- at least twenty five years since he has not had a horse uh, in the Kentucky Derby, and he may have had a horse in every one of those derbies um, in in each one of those twenty five years, but he does not have a horse that he is. Listed as the trainer of, but he has prepared uh, yeah. two of these for uh, in their most of their careers before turning them over to another trainer, Tim Yaxe uh, to prepare him for this race but it 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 is quite a you know it it's like not having you know Michael Jordan in the NBA finals after That's you know whatever right. he did six or seven years or something like
1: that. Uh, Michael, what kind of any Louisiana connections in this Derby? Whether it be horse, trainer, jockey, what do we have? Well, I
4: mean, you've got uh, you know you've got the two favorites that you mentioned, Epicenter and Zandon, who both prepped uh, at the fairgrounds, and and okay. uh, we'll talk about Epicenter first. Um, you know, he won the entire every race in the three-year-old series. Um, I'm sorry, he ran second in the LeCompte, but he won three races uh at the fairgrounds. Yeah. He won the Louisiana Derby, he won the Risen Star. And then not only, you know, did he win those, but he, you know, the horses that he beat, Zandon. Um he came back and won the bluegrass. So, you know, the two favorites ran in races um at the fairgrounds, and then you also had Smile Happy, who ran second to epicenter. Uh yeah. Zozo second to epicenter, Pioneer Medina, third to epicenter. So he's beaten, you know, just about every horse, uh, wow. you know, he's beaten a lot of these horses in the race. Um, and so that, that's a huge, you know, Louisiana uh, connection. I don't know that we've had a winner that crossed the wire first, let's say, uh, okay. of, the, of the Louisiana Derby and the Kentucky Derby since grindstone and that might have been in nineteen ninety six. So it's okay. been quite a while. Now Mandaloon, you know, won the uh well, he won the Derby officially so far, even though he ran second yeah. last year. And he also prepped at the fairgrounds. So look, we got we got a lot of horses that ran at the fairgrounds, um really? and that are in this race. And I just it just goes to show, you know, how how, how much the, 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 the trainers like um wow. The, the track and how well it prepares horses for the Derby.
1: Epicenter six starts. He won four, one place. He was out of the money in the other race. He's got over a you know a million ten thousand six hundred and thirty nine uh, dollars worth. Joel Rosario is the jock. Steve Asmussen is the trainer. So um he's in there. You mentioned Zandon. Why is Zandon the favorite when Epicenter beat Zandon? That's a great question.
4: That's <laughs> a great you know, maybe people believe that Zandon is coming to, to hand quicker. Um he's only had two races this year whereas Epicenter, you know, has danced almost every dance. Uh you know, he's he's run three times this year, um, but four times since December twenty sixth. So, you know, he's run a little bit more, which could be, you know, he's more seasoned. But the other thing, you know, I mean you're talking about two trainers Steve Asmussen, Hall of Famer, Chad on Epicenter, Chad Brown on Zandon, Hall, a future Hall of Famer. Neither one has won the Derby, um, right. so you know we, we're, we're in uncharted territory. But Zandon, he's just really—I think he's probably come to hand and improved flash race. He's more lightly raced. Uh, he's just a very impressive looking. Animal And he's looked just terrific over the track over the last two
1: weeks. Four starts. He's got two wins, one place, one show. He won the Bluegrass, 713,000. Flavian Pratt will be the uh, in in the stirrups for that one. Um, give me another horse. Tell me what you think. I mean, is this a really good field? Is it? I mean, what do you think of this group?
4: I don't think it's as fast a group as we've seen in – at least the last couple three years, okay. but they're very they're they're very well matched, and that's not to say that they could you know none of them could, could turn out to be really fast horses. But right now, you know they're just I would say they're a tick slow or so. Right. Okay. So the one horse that that I've been really impressed with, um, just watching, is the one horse Mo Donegal. Okay. Um, he 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 prepped in New York and Florida. He won the Wood Memorial, which used to be like the number one prep race.
2: Right, right. Um,
4: But he his the, the the stride on this horse is tremendous, and I, I mean, I would just be worried that he, since he's coming from the one hole and he comes from behind, that he might not be able to find that clean air that he needs to get up in the last, you know, the last few jumps. He won't be on the lead. You know, he'll likely be mid pack to further back depending on the pace of the race, how fast they're going to go up front, the faster they go, the better chance he has, the slower they go, you know, the harder it's going to be. But he, to me, he's a horse that, you know, if you could bet on who's going to win the Belmont, if he stays sound, he's going to win the Belmont. I mean, there's just no, with that wide track, long sweeping turns, he'll be able to find enough open space. And he just has a tremendous, tremendous stride, um, Hmm. That he that he's going to need a little luck for to to, to get rolling, but Mo Donegal uh, to me is, is is a horse to look for later in the year. But okay. if it works, he could work out a trip, and he's going to be a good price. Um, and so you know, that might be where I end up on. And by the way, he beat Zandon uh, in December,
1: so okay.
4: he certainly got, has the
1: five starts, three wins, two shows, as you mentioned. He won the Wood Memorial, Todd Plexure training. Arad Ortiz is the jockey. um Okay, um, what wins the Derby? What, 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 what? You know, but going back through history, what, what do you see? What kind of race is it?
4: Well, what's won the race over the past five or six years, uh, pretty much, is horses that are able to show an, enough speed to be within the first group, uh, and then just you know hold off the closers. Uh, You know, we saw a couple of wire-to-wire winners over the past couple of years. We've seen horses that have, you know, run on the lead and then just got beat, a horse that was right behind the pace. So, you know, if we're going on recent history, you're going to have to have a horse that is relatively close to the early lead. And that, you know, that's not Zandon. uh, That's not Mo Donegal. But that is 100% epicenter. Okay. Who likes to be, you know, near the front? The, the I would say the, quality, the different factor this year is that, you know, these jockeys and trainers they're not dumb, so they kind of know that, right? And we have a little bit more early speed horses in here than I think we've had in the past, and so there might be a more contested early pace. Um, Than what we've seen, you know, with uh, a horse like um, Authentic, uh, you know, a horse like Always Dreaming. Those horses that were able to get to the front, kind of cruise by a couple lengths, even though they were going fast, they had it their own way. I'm not sure those horses are going to, I'm not sure we're going to have that this year. But if you see Messier or another one of these former Baffert horses, if he's on the lead with John Velasquez, who won it last year, Um, with Medina spirit, if he's on the lead by two or three, you know, two weeks, he's going to be hard to run down.
1: I mean, that's just, you know, that's the way the the race has been run. Michael, let me ask you this question. Weather forecast in Louisville, 80% rain today, 90% Friday for the Kentucky Oaks, 40% rain Saturday. Does that have an effect on, on these horses? And if so, who's the best on a sloppy track?
4: I don't think we'll have that issue. Um, okay. I think it'll stop raining tomorrow, and then this track has a lot of sand in it. It dries out extremely quickly. So, okay. you know, if it's not raining, if it rains tomorrow night, it'll still be fine. Um, I don't think we'll have a sloppy track. Okay. Uh, so Good. I haven't really looked to see. Um, there are a couple horses that have run on, you know, wet tracks that, that you know, you would always favor. Um but I haven't really looked, and I hope we don't have. I hope we have a fast track, and I'm, yeah. I think we're going to have a fast track.
1: You've you've been to the Derby. You've been to all the Triple Crown races. You've been to all the best horse tracks in, in the country. What's your favorite part about the Derby? What makes it so special?
4: Well, it's it's got the most eyes of any horse race run uh, at any time during the year. Mm-hmm. So there's... It's, there's just more people, you know. Uh, I mean, I've gotten calls today and emails and texts, you know, that I don't get uh, any right. other time during the year. You know, hey, right. wh- who you who you like, you know? And, and it's just, it's like the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, people that don't watch football, you know, they're still going to go. A lot of people are going to watch the Super Bowl, so it's the Super Bowl, right? Of horse racing, right. so there's just hundred million people that are watching it and uh, are interested in it, and then, you know. of those will forget about it the day after, but um, it's it's got, got, you know, it's got the most eyes on it. It's it's the thing going on, you know, it's the most important thing going on uh, Saturday.
1: So what you're telling me is if the Preakness were on the first Saturday of May, that would surpass the Kentucky Derby if the Derby was the second leg of the Triple Crown.
4: No, the Derby's the Derby. The Derby's the you know the <laughs> okay. the, the granddaddy. You know, so if, okay. okay. So if so if you, if you had the Master, if the U.S. Open was before the Masters, would the it's would still. the Masters still be the Masters? Yes, yes, yes. of course. Yes. Because it's, gotcha. it's, it's the okay. greatest you know golf tournament there is. I mean, so the Kentucky Derby is the greatest horse race there is. and probably will ever be. And um yeah. and and horses only get one shot at it. You know, you, that's right. I mean, you get one chance. That's it. So it's, it. it's, gotcha. it's do or die. It's uh, if you don't run your race that day, I'm sorry. You can't run it again. It's just right, look, there's so much on the line. Pe- there's so much money um, bet. And there's so much money, you know, in the commercial market for breeding. Yeah. Um, and it makes or breaks careers. You know? True.
1: Yeah. All right. People want, they don't want to hear all that. They want to hear. And look, people can do what they want. This is with a caveat do at your own risk. All right. Give me, give me your pecking order here. Mo Donegal right, th-
4: No, I think I think Zandon is going to win. Um,
1: okay.
4: I'm not happy with the price, but for people that are just betting one race a year, you know, yep. taking three to one on or seven to two on a horse and get betting two dollars and getting back nine is a pretty good return. Absolutely, for me, it sucks, right? <laughs> so if you're betting just to win, Zandon the ten is probably the horse to play. If you're just if you want to take a little bit more of a risk, you know you should probably be looking at Mo right. and then I'll also throw in Smile Happy, a horse we didn't talk about,
2: but who did run at
4: the fairgrounds, who Epicenter a center beat, and who beat um, Zandon as well. I think Smile Happy at a huge price. Um, is going to be close enough to the pace. He's won over the over the track, and he's going to be thirty to one, and I
1: think that would be like my bomber. Um,
4: that wouldn't surprise me if he actually if he if he won the race.
1: All right, uh, but if you just so want to win, those it, those are my three. Uh, the pick today is Zan Don at uh, as today it's three to one. We shall see, Michael. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have fun! Uh, oh, give me the winner of the Oaks. Who's going to win the Oaks? Come on!
4: All right, now now I got I got a real long shot who I really like in the Oaks. Uh, let's see if I don't. I'm not sure of the number, but the name is. Shahama, Shahama, Sha- Shahama. See what number okay. is that? Yeah, Shahama. Shahama. Okay, uh, you're gonna have to go find the. So now I'll this also be twenty to one. He's All never. Right. She has never run in the United States. She's undefeated, but she will be, you know, a, a price. And she's she was just switched into the Hall of Fame barn a Todd Pletcher, and she has a lot of talent. Now this is a horse that I would definitely bet. Like. Across the board, two dollars to win place show, um, but I think we'll get a good run out of Shahama in the Oaks tomorrow.
1: You're the best as always. We'll uh, we'll talk again. Um, this is leg one of three. We'll see. Maybe we'll have a triple crown winner. We'll never know until we give it a go. will right. see, Michael Baker. You're the best. Thank you, sir. It won't be Bob Baffert this year, there, Jordan. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate oh, it. All right. Thank you. All right. You. We'll all take, right thanks. We'll, um. From horse racing to basketball, the NBA playoff action is nonstop. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA this week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, et cetera, et cetera, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 minimum deposit. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem call 770 stop Tennessee's here. Everybody else is there. Um, but the SEC tournament right around the corner. Playing for NCAA seeds right around the corner. We'll talk all about it with Blake Lavelle next here on the Jordy Helper Show after this. Time out.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 5th, 1925. Detroit center fielder Ty Cobb goes a perfect six for six with four runs scored five runs batted in and 16 total bases in the tigers 14 to 8 victory over the st louis browns at sportsman's park in st louis that was this day in sports history we now return to the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: all right, we are back uh, 23 minutes after the hour. Uh, Blake Lavelle, kind enough to join us at 14 Southeastern Covers. Everything in the Southeastern Conference, football, basketball, and baseball. Blake, um, how you doing, man? How have you been?
5: Yeah, doing well, Jordan. Good to talk to you as
1: always. Before we get to, I want to talk a little baseball with you, but I, I've, I've got to ask you a little bit about basketball. The job that Matt McMahon has done to this point in time with getting some transfers, getting a five star recruit, a couple of four stars, with all the uncertainty, it's kind of miraculous in my mind. What are, what are your thoughts on it?
5: Yeah, I mean I think when, you know, like you said, it's it's almost by necessity at this point. Um, because when you, you know, lose your, your entire roster, you kinda have to figure out the best way you can accumulate talent in year one. As we know, that process is a lot different now than it you know it used to be and that, that makes right. it easier, I think, on coaches to be able to to do that, and so I think when you look at someone like Matt McMahon and, and Dennis Gates at Missouri, and um, you know obviously what Lamont Perry is going to have to do with South Carolina, they had a lot of guys transfer. You kind of have to go out and figure out the best way to build a roster. And I don't think there's any doubt that probably aside from Florida getting back some of their best players because they had a coaching change with Todd Golden, uh, Arkansas I think has probably had the best offseason of anyone. But I think LSU's right there in that group with Florida. Mm-hmm in Arkansas in terms of having the best offseason because, like you said, I mean, Matt McMahon has brought in some really good players. Um, you know, I, I said initially when he got hired, I said, look, here's what's going to happen, he's going to get a couple of those guys from Murray State, um, you right. know, winds up getting, I think, what, three of their top four players off that team now coming to LSU, and, and I think that's a big win for him. And um, certainly K.J. Williams, uh, I think, is certainly the, the biggest one of that group just based on right. what he was able to do and how important he was, you know, to that team. So, there's no doubt I'd put LSU, like I said, right there, probably in the top three in the SEC in terms of best off seasons at this point. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, a pretty remarkable job he's done there.
1: And we'll find out, uh, Blake Lavelle, a week from tomorrow, Adam Miller, who transferred to LSU yep. from Illinois, had the ACL injury. He's going to make his decision on his future, and it seems like it's LSU and TCU. Boy, if Adam Miller stays at LSU, now, now we're cooking with some grease, I think.
5: Yeah, and that's why, you know, it, it's always we, – we have fun with this right after the season's over. We we try to look ahead to next season. But as we know, with the way things are now, it's just impossible because it takes, you know, a month or two. Uh, we probably, probably won't know most people's rosters until so at least mid-May at this point, um, just based on all the transfers, if that. You know, early June is probably a better estimate. But mm-hmm. I think if you look at LSU, you know, they would have been probably, to me, one of those top three or four biggest unknowns – after the NCAA tournament was over, because you just didn't know what the roster's going to look like. Um, obviously, you still don't know exactly what the fallout's going to be from the situation that came before Matt McMahon got there. But I mean, at this point, I think you're going to look at this and, and say, boy, even if they, you know, let's say they don't get Miller, if they do, that's an even bigger win. And like I said, I'd probably put them right up there with Arkansas in terms of having the best offseason at that point. But, um, either way, I mean, they have, you now feel like you've got a pretty good idea of what they're going to be next season. And I think as things stand right now, you know, I couldn't have, I probably wouldn't have said, I think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team three weeks ago. But right now I think that it's probably going to be hard to ignore the fact that they probably will be. So. Wow.
1: That's amazing. Amazing. All right. Blake Lavelle. Uh, I've I've seen some great LSU baseball teams, but I, you know, and I, I may be wrong here, but I never remember. Them having a team this late in the season that was nineteen and two in conference play and forty one and four overall, Tennessee. I mean, my gosh, how good are they?
5: Yeah, I mean, it is uh, pretty remarkable. I, I I don't remember a, a team that looked like this uh, in terms of not just winning, but probably how they're winning. I mean, that's. You know, that's just the, the most impressive part. I mean, we've seen the type of runs they've scored, and I don't remember what the number was. We looked this up the other day um, on the the run differential that they have compared to the other teams. I'm going to see if I can find it now. Yes, so they have a, a plus 302 run differential, uh, which is nearly twice of Arkansas. You know, and that's what you that's think. Of. I mean, Arkansas is, you know, probably the second-best team in the league, but going to see, you know, at plus 302, which is you know nearly twice of Arkansas's plus 163, in terms of run differential so I don't even know how you you fathom that um it is just I something don't. that again the the way they've hit the ball has been unlike anything we've seen in a good while and you know I think that's the thing too is you have to remember with Tennessee they wouldn't just be here at 41 and four if it was just hitting the ball I mean their pitching is remarkable too I mean it is something where I think coming into the year, you had high expectations for their pitching, you had higher expectations probably for their hitting, knowing what they could be capable of, not to this level. But their pitching has has been a big part of this as well, and I don't think that mm-hmm. should get overlooked. And and really, you know, Jordy, at this point, when you look at it, they played the toughest part of their schedule. Um, you know, they yep. start against Kentucky tonight. Uh, they'll win that series. They got Georgia after that. That's in Knoxville. They'll win that one. Um, And then Matt Mississippi State, who, as we know, is not the Mississippi State of last year. So at this point, um, quite frankly, I I said probably three weeks ago that I thought Tennessee would probably lose at most um, two more games. I think it was after the Alabama series I said that. They lost one to Auburn. I think it's still probably right on that number. I I don't think they lose maybe more than one more game here the rest of the way. And and you do the math and understand how remarkable a regular season record that would be.
1: Got to be one of the greatest regular seasons ever um of course you get paid for what happens in the postseason after that you know arkansas is 14 and 7 then you got georgia auburn lsu texas a&m all at 12 and 9 um i think lsu's played the toughest part of their schedule as well they got two out of their remaining three series on the road but um certainly winnable series what what do you think lsu's chances are of hosting a regional
5: yeah, like you said, their their schedule is interesting the rest of the way cuz I think, you know, this is Alabama's just been so up and down. I think I think LSU should win the series this weekend and even though it's in Tuscaloosa, I just think Alabama's kind of they've hit a wall after that Tennessee series. Um, you know, they won that first game there, but they just have not been as consistent after that. And so I think LSU's probably in good shape to win that one. And then you know, Ole Miss has been an interesting team because they've obviously been one of the biggest disappointments this year. Um, but they played pretty well against Arkansas, and I think that's one probably LSU you're benefiting from that being in Baton Rouge, so they probably win that one. You know, Vanderbilt is, I mean, I don't want to say Vanderbilt may have been the most disappointing team. Like we said, I mean, they're still a, a top-25 team, but right. they just are missing something, and, and I don't know exactly what that is, but they're just not as consistent as you usually get from Tim Corbin's teams. and So I think realistically, you know, LSU actually has a shot to win all three of these final series they have here. I agree. And, Obviously, I think that would put them in a really good position. I think RPI-wise right now, they're, they're top 15. Um, you know, that always, as we know, that'll get better just by the product of playing a Vanderbilt, um, you know, those kind of games. So so we automatically go up from there as long as you win the ones you should. So I think LSU's sitting in a good spot because, like you said, unlike some of these other teams, they played the toughest part of their schedule, I think, to this point. Um, and, and now it's just a matter of, you know, can they put it all together? I mean, even like a team like A and M, who also has—I think A and M's playing as well as almost anybody right now. When you just look at how they have played over the past month, um, mm-hmm. they've got a pretty easy schedule left. So I think LSU and A and M, to me, are two teams that kind of set themselves up pretty nicely here going into these final several weeks.
1: Does Tennessee sweep all the postseason awards? Coach of the Year, Player of the Year—did they <laughs> do that, or is there some competition there for them?
5: You know, I, I think at this point it's just. It's one of those things where I don't even know how you deny them anything, you know, just based yeah, on, like we right. just said. I mean, it's, that's right. You could certainly point out a lot of other guys around the league and say, hey, you know, these guys are in a really good spot. But my goodness, when you look at, you know, pitching wise, when you look at what Drew Beam's done there in Tennessee, and obviously, you know, you look at, at, at Cannon at, at Georgia and probably Nolan in and Arkansas and, and those kind of guys. But like we talked about, I mean, Tennessee's pitching staff, look what they've done there. Um, you know all the other stuff I mean certainly I think you look at just the the player rankings those kind of things I mean something to share at Auburn's had a fantastic season as we know Um, you know there are obviously a bunch of other guys you can point to in the league but I just think it's again like we said let's say they do go the rest of the way and only lose a game somewhere and they wind up with five regular season losses I think that would probably put them close to 50 wins at least there so it would be hard to probably deny them anything at that point yeah
1: Hi. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeast, and I really appreciate that. Look, I never thought Herb Jones would be as good an NBA player as he is. I'm just saying, <laughs> and I'll leave on that on that note, but he's been terrific for the Pelicans. So, Blake, thank you for all your help, man. Enjoy the weekend, all right?
5: Thanks, Shorty. You too.
1: You're the best. Today is the day you join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takeout. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takeout by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. Michael Huguenin, all things college sports, next.
0: Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. Woo-hoo! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Michael, good afternoon and happy uh, Cinco de Mayo to you my friend. I uh, appreciate that. Looking forward to uh,
6: the weekend, the Kentucky Derby.
2: Yes. is always
6: a cool event and it's obviously Mother's Day for those of us who have moms. So,
2: right.
6: uh and we're, we're starting to get into the uh the dog days of the college season. Um, you know, for most of the spring practices are over and now unless you like college baseball, there's not a, or college softball. There's not right. a lot of not a heck of a
1: lot going on. Well, the SEC once again Georgia leading the way with what like 15 draft picks, but what amazed me is LSU was the second uh, had the second most players with 10, and for the past 2 years they've been awful, but when you go back to 2019, I think it's like 28 of 30 players um were drafted and are all still in the league. Um what a t- what a juggernaut that was.
6: Yeah, that that was a phenomenal team, and I think the the fact that yeah, that LSU was the second most draftees is is why Ed Orgeron's no longer there. Right. Um, you know, LSU's recruited well; they played well in 2019, and it paid off in the draft. I think the one thing that, that got to me Cincinnati had the third most players drafted. Um, that was a really good team last year. Yeah, uh, a coaching staff that did a phenomenal job of developing talent and we did a breakdown of the recruiting classes that made up the bulk of last year's team was 2017, 2018, and 2019 recruiting classes. Mm -hmm. Um, Cincinnati was not in the top 50 in any of those seasons. So unlike LSU, which did not develop its players well the past two seasons, Cincinnati did. Um, And the recruiting rankings are important in talent on campus, but in terms of winning games... Once they're on campus, that, that leads back to player development.
1: No question. All right. The the, the name, and I know you know this, but Jordan Addison, uh, the reigning Bolitnikoff Award winner. Why is there such a big to-do about him entering the portal, leaving Pitt? I, he's leaving Pitt because his quarterback has gone to the NFL. But why... Why is this such a big deal? How how has this resonated in a way few, if any, other transfer situations have and why?
6: Yeah, I think plus not only did his quarterback lead the offensive coordinator left. Mark Whipple left for Nebraska. They brought in Signetti and Signetti's not gonna throw the ball like Whipple did. So um even though Pet brought in Keaton Slovis, I think Addison looked at what happened during spring and realized I can do better elsewhere. Uh, not only do better in terms of on the field, but off the field as well. Um, You know, I know Pat Narduzzi is upset, that, and he evidently called Lincoln Riley and said, you're tampering. And Riley Mm -hmm. said, I'm not tampering. And no, no coach tampers. It's the boosters and the surrounding people who who potentially tamper. So um, it's like coaches have a lot of leeway, um because yeah they don't have to call anybody directly it's you know Kay, uh, did did Kayla Williams call Addison perhaps did perhaps. boosters call Addison perhaps um mm-hmm. but you know the, co- the so, idea that a coaching staff's going to reach out to a player i think directly is ludicrous but Addison is a extremely talented wide receiver a proven talent, he was the Blitnickoff winner, is the nation's best receiver last year. I don't think he was, but he certainly had a monster year. Wow. Um, and I think that's the the idea of a player like him entering the portal bothers a lot of folks. But that's the uh, you know the NCAA put up no guardrails for NIL, and the idea mm-hmm. that a guy like Jordan Addison would leave Pitt should not surprise anybody, frankly.
1: Right. So, in other words. Not only did his quarterback leave, his coordinator left, but Pitt can't possibly come up with the same NIL package that LA and USC can. So this is kind of where we are now. It's it's a big free agent market. Buyer beware. Uh, he who has the deepest pockets wins, and that's what college football is now.
6: And to an extent, I think it's what college football always has been. True. I think the difference is before – You had boosters under the table giving players money to go to certain schools. Now it's sort of above board, plus the transfer portal aspect of it. You know, in in years past, five years ago, Jordan Addison would have had to sit out, and he may not have been willing to do that. He doesn't have to sit out anymore. Um, He can get bigger NIL packages elsewhere. Um, You know, USC is certainly not the only school that's interested in Jordan Addison, But it is sort of the 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 dawning of the new era in college athletics. Um, You know, Oscar Sheway's back at Kentucky because he gets he's going to get really nice NIL deals. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that and and I guess the one thing about Addison and Sheway, at least those are proven college players. Correct. I think what irritates a lot of folks now, including a lot of coaches, is you have high school kids who have their hand out. They've always had their hand out to an extent, but now it's, yeah, I, I love your school. I love your the, the, the offensive scheme you play. I love my visit, but, you know, what am I going to get if I sign there? Because school-wise is offering me this. If you want me to come to your campus, you need to match that. So um, it's become more blatant. Um, yeah. It's above board now. And I think that, you know, again, I think you have people saying this, this kind of stuff has always happened and it has. The difference now is it, it's known when, when a, you know, that quarterback, when the quarterback who, I don't want to put that in, but it's not, when a player attends a school, um, everybody's going to know, well, that's the kid who signed an $8 million NIL deal. So um, that's the difference. Before it was like, you know, the rumors are just kid got money. Now it's like, oh, this, yeah, this is this is the kid who got the $8 million deal. It's going to be known. And yeah. that's going to be interesting to see how that works in locker rooms.
1: Michael Hugan and on3.com. What scares me is when politics get involved, and Greg Sankey of the SEC and George Kalavkov of the Pac-12 met with U.S. senators in Washington, D.C. today to ask for legislative help surrounding name, image, and likeness policies. So once again, didn't go to the NCAA, went to Washington, D.C., to the Senators. And it seems to me more and more, it's like that um, Ohio State athletic director let football belong to the college football playoff, not the NCAA.
6: Yeah, we've had a a Q&A the past two days with Tom McMillan. He's the former Maryland basketball star. Heck, you may have played against him. Um, Became a congressman. And now, basically, he runs League one which is the association of the 131 FBS schools. So basically he's the lobbyist for, he's much more than that, but let's just use that term, even though it has some negative connotation. His point is I represent these 131 schools. There are extremely wide variants of opinion in my group, um, heck, you got teams in, in certain leagues that necessarily aren't necessarily on the same page. His point to us was you got Maryland, sorry, you got, yeah, you got Maryland in the Big Ten along with Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan and Ohio State know that, hey, the reason we have a big TV deal, it's us. It ain't you, Maryland. It ain't you, Purdue. It ain't you, Indiana. And ain't you, Rutgers. And the same thing is in, in the FCC. Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia have to, to look around and go, Mississippi State, South Carolina, you guys bring nothing to the table. So, McMillan's point was, you know, forget the Division One, Division Three divide. Think about the divide in SES within, you know, forget the SEC-MAC divide. Think about the divide in the SEC.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
6: um, and Ivan Mazel wrote a story today for us talking to three coaches, including Kirby Smart and the Notre Dame Athletic Director, Jack Sporbrook. And Sporbrook said, maybe it's good that this had to be broken because the system needs to be fixed. And then you've got Sonny Dykes, who's been a, a Power 5 head coach for all of three months, saying maybe there needs to be like a Premier League in college football where, you know, it's $50 million a year to play. So, I mean, it, it's it's wild, what, wow. what is going on right now? Um, you know, NIL, that's the thing everybody's focused on. That's the tip of the iceberg. And you and I have talked for a decade. The NCA has been such an impotent organization. Wow. Um, it's their own fault that, that things are like this. The NCA was so reactive. They've never been proactive. Emmert has been a failure. Um, most NCA presidents have been a failure. And the idea that you have to go to Congress to save you, that's laughable. Yeah.
1: I mean, you may, you, look, Mark Emmert's going to step down or, you know, at a certain point in time or earlier. But who who really, who wants that who wants job? That job? Right. You know, it's
6: because it's, it's a you're, you're stepping into an absolutely no win situation. Exactly. You're the president of the NCA, which means you're the president of Alabama and Ohio State and LSU and Oklahoma, and you're also the president of Wartburg and Coe College and Division III Caltech. They're not even on the same planet when it comes to athletics, and yet you have to make everybody happy. It's absolutely impossible. It's a thankless job, though I will say that had there been a forward thinker as the head of the NCA maybe decades ago, we would you know, we're we're nine months into NIL. We should be five or six years into yeah. NIL now. And yeah. that's causing a lot of the problems.
1: Michael Hugan at on 3com dot com. Uh the Big Twelve is having meetings in Scottsdale, Arizona this week. Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian's there. He's talking the SEC, but they're still in the Big Twelve. They have to be there until twenty twenty five, unless the schools negotiate an earlier exit to the SEC. It is foolish to think that anything will happen this year, correct? But maybe in 2023 is a possibility? Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I think so.
6: Um, As you know, I live in Orlando. UCF is in Orlando. It's moving to the Big 12. Um, There's a lot of talk, uh, including in the paper today in, in Orlando, that, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU could be in the Big 12 as soon as 2023. Now, BYU is independent. They can basically do what they want. They have no constraints. No, there's, no, there's nothing – they're not tethered to anybody. Mm-hmm. UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston have to pay exit fees to the AAC. The AAC, I think, is like, you know, you guys are leaving, so mosey on out of here So as long as you pay us. So my presumption would be if the Big 12 is hoping that UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU are in the league as soon as next year, they sure as heck don't want Oklahoma and Texas there because the pie would have to be split. You know That's too many extra pieces. So um, there's going to be money involved, as we all know. Um, I don't think it's as far-fetched as it might have seemed last year at this time when all this stuff is starting to percolate. That Texas and Oklahoma could be in the SEC by the start of the 2023 season.
1: What's best for the SEC? Um, two divisions, uh, pods. Um, pods I'm pods is the best okay.
6: because you know I've talked about this in the past. The idea that you know if you're an if you're an LSU fan, okay, you you're playing Florida every year. That gets old.
2: Uh, yes. Maybe
6: you want to play Georgia. Uh, certainly, with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league, you want those schools to come to Baton Rouge as yes. soon as possible, and you want to go to Austin and Norman as soon as possible. You don't want to have to wait five years down the road to make those trips. And you know, I think Georgia, Texas A and M, I think they played twice since the SEC expanded. Uh, Texas A and M has been to Gainesville once since mm. they came into the league in 2012. It's it's you, you, the pod system is needed. Because you want to be able to, especially with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, if you want Texas to truly be in the SEC footprint recruiting-wise, you need to be able to tell kids, um, if you come and sign with us, you're going to play in your home state at least once, maybe twice in your four- or five-year career. And, yeah, yeah, that's a huge recruiting uh, advantage for everybody in the SEC. The, the The more often you play in Texas,
1: the better off everybody in the SEC is. Here's Michael Huguenin on 3.com. Thank you so much, man. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next time. Excellent.
0: Thank you, sir. Well, are Tune in next week to the Jordy Holbert Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back on this Cinco de Mayo special. Thanks to our guest, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Michael Bateshock with his uh, Kentucky Derby picks. Blake Lavelle talking all things Southeastern Conference. And Michael Huguenin from On3.com. If today is your birthday, May the 5th, huh? happy Cinco de Mayo and happy birthday to you. A very special happy birthday to my guy, Used to produce my show. Now he's the director of operations at Delta Media, the host at Under the Dome with CD and the Cajun Strong podcast. Happy birthday, Clint Domain. Oh, he does it all, and we are thankful for him. Hope you have a great day. I sent you a text, Clint, but you're too busy to respond to it, so I'll say it over the airwaves. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, CD. Happy birthday to you. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, two to four. Same great station, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Heltberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. Let's be kind. Let's be happy. And happy Cinco de Mayo. So long, everybody.